Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I'm going to sign or no for Olympiakos, I said, you're a pretty good deal, like my friend. I can't speak, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, everyone? Gate 7 International Sunday edition. Back at it again, day after a rebound win for Olympiacos against Panetolikos. All stuff we're going to get into in a little bit. Costa, how you doing, buddy? What's happening? It feels like it's been a long time. Good to be back. It does. It does. It does, actually. No midweek episode. It feels like a lifetime since the last episode. It's a nice yeah, break, well, though. Yeah, lots to, lots, lots to get into. I think the last time well, we didn't, I didn't go live. I think it was you and Costa after the bout game. That's right. Um, That's right. You guys did a good job. You guys did a good job. We're back. That we are. And before we get moving, boys and girls, if you haven't done so already, don't forget to like and subscribe. For those of you that are listening on audio, give us a five-star review. All of those interactions keep the show moving in the algorithm so that more people can see it. So hit the like button. Subscribe if you don't already. Hit the bell. That way you can be notified every single time that we go live. And don't forget to follow us on social, all of our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we'd love to engage with you guys. Uh, we get DMs constantly from everyone. We'd love to engage with all of you. So please do all of that. Help us continue to grow the red and white community. And our first sponsor for the night, as always, Piraeus International. Guys, if you are shipping anything in and out of Greece, if you are shipping outside of the United States, anywhere in the world, ask our friends how you can do that yourself. www.piraeusintl.com. You can reach them at 410-675-4696. A couple of you have already called our friends. Uh, looks like some vehicles may be going to Greece. Uh, it looks like in the coming months. So keep it up. If you have any questions, please reach out to them. They're FMC licensed. They can help you guys getting in and out of Greece, in and out of the United States, anywhere in the world you want to go. That's our friends at Piraeus International. And for you betters out there, don't forget our promo code GATE7INTL at betus.com.pa. When you use that promo code, they will match your first deposit 125%. A hundred bucks will become 225 for them, and their odds are pretty good. Uh, they've given Olympiacos, at least in the Super League, better odds than what I've seen in some of the other betting sites. So check them out betus.com.pa and use the promo code GATE7INTL to get that deposit boost. Now, let's get on to it, Costa. A lot of stuff to discuss today. Where are we getting started? Okay, let's talk Panetolikos game. Uh, big game after a poor result against Balk, needless to say. I think we can start by the lineup because that's been that's been the main issue or one of the main issues this season is that we haven't had a steady lineup. We're still trying to figure out what our best starting eleven is. I think we're slowly, very slowly, getting there. Um, and I think you know, Olympiacos fans have had uh, a lot to talk about in terms of problems around the park, but I think we'd been talking about it for a long time. Defense really being the biggest issue, something that we've highlighted before in the defensive partnership. 
what is our best defensive pairing? We've we've done polls about this. We've asked people to tell us who they think our best defensive partnership is. And by the vast array of different responses that we got to that question, the multiple times we've asked, we've talked about it, there's the biggest problem. And we saw Mitchell going back to the duo of Socrates and Andreas Due at the back. And yes, Panetolikos were missing their main target man up front, Nikos Karelis, who suspended for violent conduct. But there's just something about those two when they play together that gives some extra kind of peace of mind, let's say, when they're playing. Uh, I think that Socrates, for me, is either a defender that needs to play in a back three. I I don't feel super confident when he's playing in a back two because he can get caught if players get in between the channels. He's not as fast as he was. And then when it comes to Cissé and Barr, they've just both got a mistake in them. So I, I'm not sleeping quietly when those two are playing at the back. So right from the get-go in terms of the lineup, I think uh I think for me moving forward we need to move we need to move with this center back pairing. So Gradis and Doi. No more experiments. It's been brought up in the chat already by by George Gandilis. No experimentation. Um in any position, just generally, we need to stop experimenting. We need to stop chopping and changing the lineup every game. And we'll talk about that when we talk about Freiburg, because he has this, the manager has this tendency to play M. Villa, Juan. You'll ask most Olympiacos fans, what's our best midfield pairing right now? In the centre, it's those two. I think 95% of Olympiacos fans will tell you M. Villa and Juan start in the midfield. Um, but we all have a feeling, I have a feeling, that he's going to go and play Bukhalagis Kunde on Thursday. We, we need to stop. We need to start bedding down our starting 11. Um, and I think it was, you know, his choice of starting 11 was, you know, it didn't have that Agibu Kamara on the left surprise. It was a orthologia de cada. It was a orthological starting 11 a lot of question marks about bl which we'll talk about more during this show um but yeah like if we start from the starting lineup like those those are my immediate thoughts going into the game i think it's a game of course that it was an absolute must win for us and and going into it if you look at the statistics that that we put out on our socials it's playing against the team that isn't very good in possession. I think below 40% possession, conceded over 10 goals. And you're thinking, okay, they're missing their best striker. They have a couple of players that are out. Um, really a game that we should be winning. So I think we set it up right. Um, and just to kind of close off my first comment, I think the first half was close to abysmal. But there are reasons for that. There are reasons because we haven't formed those connections those partnerships across the field. Uh, Biel is playing in a position that is not his optimal position. He has to find a way to work with James Rodriguez on the pitch. James Rodriguez is a luxury for the Greek league. It's a luxury, luxury probably for Libyakos. And yeah. those two have to find a way to play together. Mitchell has to find a way to marry those two in the same starting lineup. They're two of the two of the best players that we have. In the team this 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 squad is not lacking in quality it just needs to gel 
and they need to play together more often. They can't keep switching every game, playing with different players. That's not how you, that's not how you gel a team. And that's what we badly need to do. No, you're hundred percent right. You brought up a lot of really good points, starting from the defense and then going in from the offense. Defensively, I, I I'm with you hundred percent regarding the center back pairing. I like, I, I again in the beginning I was a little bit hesitant seeing Ndoy playing as a center back. We know that he's he was he's a defensive midfielder and that's what he was training for. But look, he's he's done it well. He's very aggressive. I, I love the energy and I love that he never let that debut own goal take him down. Uh, one of my biggest worries after that happened was, especially with what we've seen with some of the Greek youth and their mentality, or lack of mentality, we should say, many Greek youth probably, that would have done them in. We would never have seen him again. But no, he kept working, working hard, and he looks good there. And having the veteran like Sokrati next to him, it seems to be working at least in the games that we've seen it. So I'm with you there. Uh, I don't want to see any more experimentation, especially in the league regarding that. I, I, I want to see that continue. What I would like to see experimentation in is on the left side of the field. In both defense and offense. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, you brought up offensively uh, our, our strongest pairing, especially in the midfield. Everyone would bring up Mbila and Huang. Absolutely. Um, Pep Biel and Hamas, two of our most talented players right now, offensively or just in general, two of our most talented players that you can say right now are on the team. And it doesn't surprise me that we saw what we saw for the starting lineup because we we had some of our most talented players on the pitch. I also, in the beginning of the game, complained a little bit, oh, we don't have any wingers, but how many natural wingers do we have and how many wingers do we have that are performing? The answer is zero or close to zero, I should say. So you have to play with your best players on the pitch. Pep Biel and James are two of our most talented for reasons we'll get into shortly. Uh, but I did want to share two things that we had put on our socials. Um, so regarding the defensive pairing, the reason that I bring up, I want to see more things at least on the left side um, of the defensive. And those that saw this on our socials, uh, sorry if we're, we're repeating, but we just want to show this for everybody just for the sake of the context. Um, uh, we put up a chart here, and this these are the charts all season so far where Olympiacos gets attacked. And the majority of the attacks, obviously, come on the flanks, both the left and the right. But as you saw on that chart, uh, and I can put it up again for you guys so you can see it. I know it's only up there for about six, eight seconds at a time. But the most dangerous attacks have come down that left side. So... Center back pairing, as much as that's been an area where we've seen some a lot of change, it hasn't really been the area where we've had the most threatening chances against us. It's actually been on the wing. On the reverse, on the offense, this is where we attack from and how threatening our chances are on the offense. There's no surprise that most of our threatening chances are coming up the middle whether it's through guys like James, whether it's through guys like Huang Mbom, whether it's through guys like Mvila. Our most threatening chances in the run of play, not offset pieces, by the way, this is all run of play, whether it's counterattacks or open play attacks, it's all come up the middle. The weakest has been that left side. So as far as I'm concerned, we don't have a lot of options on the right. Gonzalo Avila, as far as wingbacks are concerned, fine. Use him. Uh, if we need more attacking on the right side, you can't do much there. On the left side, though, I want to see more attacking options employed on the left side. 
a.k.a. Doran Ledner. I want to see this kid get a run. We need better attacking options on the left side. We need experimentation there. Everywhere else, we know, we've know we seen what we're getting out of certain players. So Kratis and Doi, keep that. Huang and Baum and Jan and Vila, let's run with that as much as we can. I get that there's some injury concerns maybe with Huang and Baum, but we got to roll with what has been working so far. And then build off of that. James and Pep Biel, two of our two of our best players. I get that they occupy some of the same areas. And in the first half, especially, we saw that they kind of were on top of each other and there was not a lot of width, but we got to figure something out uh, in regards to that. So that's where I stand when it comes to the partnerships and the connections. Although I do want to see less experimentation in the areas where we know we have success with certain pairings, I do want to see experimentation on that left side. Yeah, I think uh, there is one thing I want to touch on again, just from a more from a tactical perspective, because I said already that we were hard to watch in the first half, and going into the second, I thought I don't know how we're gonna how we're gonna break them down because they were playing very deep, they were parking the bus. Um, Bakambu just really wasn't in the game at all. Uh, Pep Biel and James Rodriguez look to be crashing into each other because they both want to occupy similar spaces on the field. And and Gonzalo Avila, he was doing, he wasn't overlapping in the first half. He was underlapping. He was cutting inside, and yeah. and Biel wasn't playing the line. And why is that important? Because when you're playing against a team that's playing compact and playing two two zone de- defense in front of the keeper, and you're trying to break that down, you, you need to stretch the field. If you don't stretch the field, then if you're a player like Bakambu that likes to play in the spaces and move into channels, there are no channels to move in because the defense is in the box. And if you don't have wingers out that pull the defenders out, and you don't create the spaces in between the centre-back pairing in the middle, but then in between the wing-back and the centre-back. Those are the positions that Bakambu likes to get into. He likes to play off the last man, got caught offside a couple of times in the first half. And those spaces weren't there because on the one hand, we're too predictable, I'll explain. But secondly, we just we weren't playing wide enough. So when you play a player like... whether Hammers or Biel out on the right, then you need your right back to be overlapping and creating that extra man so that the defenders come out to mark him and create other spaces. But Avila was doing the opposite. He was underlapping. And then Biel wasn't playing the line either because that's not what he likes to do. So on the right-hand side, we had players crashing into each other. And then on the left-hand side, we had Ole Grabchuk the ball going out to him on the left. And we know that when the ball goes out to Oleg on the left, there are two things he can do. Pass it back or cross it from deep. Yes. There, like He will not, nine times out of 10, he will not try and take on the man and get into a better position to, to put a cross in or find someone. He will receive the ball, look up, either try and cross the ball in from deep we saw that in the first half. He didn't connect any of his crosses and then otherwise just pass the ball back, recycle it again. And that was the story of the first half. And I think that's that's important. And then 
what happened in the second half is that Gonzalo Avila started to overlap. He started to play on the wing. And you had, I mean, what let's let's think about the the first goal. The first goal is from an interception, I think, from Envila. Envila mm-hmm. plays the ball into Hammers. Hammers plays it. Oh no, sorry. Envila plays the ball forward into Hammers. Hammers flicks it into Bakambu. He plays it into the space and then tries to play a pass to Hammers. Hammers is in front of the ball and it drops perfectly for Biel, who's coming in from the right. And he just lashes it, curler into the other corner. It was a beautiful goal. Um, and then confidence. You just saw the confidence oozing. And actually, the second half was quite pleasant to watch. Like we moved the ball around well. There was intensity. Yeah, just, you know, those, we need to keep those those factors in mind. Like things like Avila coming back from an injury against Panatolikos. It was first game back for two or three games. Um, Biel not, not playing in his optimal position. Like, don't underestimate these things, guys. I know we've said it before, like we know how difficult a season it is. Um, but we, you know, this is it. Like we have a squad of 40 players and out of these 40, we have to find the 11, 15, 16, 20 max that will play and offer offer solutions to the coach. So, yeah, sorry to say it, more patience. But hopefully what we started to see in the second half is something that we can build on and don't don't start chopping and changing again. Even when Samaseku came on at the end, towards the end of the game, I, f- I read some really bizarre ratings uh, after the game, Samaseku. One, one journalist was saying, oh, he looked nervous and he played bad passes. He was involved in the build-up to the second goal. Yeah. And, and you know he he got involved in a lot of defensive actions. Like he was quite strong in the air. And here's here's a thought, guys. We saw Fortunis come back the other day. I don't know about you, but looking at him, I don't think I've ever seen him that fit, like no. physically. He's I he's I don't know if it's just me. Like drop the comments, but. I think I've never seen Costas Fortunis that fit physically. Like his body looks different. In the past, he's either looked too skinny, like not enough muscle. But I saw him and I thought, like, he looks fitter than James Rodriguez. And, and by the way, James Rodriguez is not fit. He's he's like 50% for me. He still looks heavy, like, you know, when he dinks the ball, but like just the way he kind of moves his body, you're just like, he's not, he's not fit. Yeah, because he he's not like it's not like he he doesn't feel agile. You know what I mean? He doesn't feel like he yeah. can move and take a lot of space. But man, he just is so cool and collected yeah. anytime he has the ball. And and but that's why the class will take him. You know what I mean? That extends your career. Okay, if you don't have the if you don't have the the speed, the physical attributes, it doesn't matter. You can play the ball like he can. You don't have to make those moves. But I see what you're saying. A hundred percent. He he's not like quick and maybe not at his physical best. A hundred percent. Yeah, but here's the scary part. Like, imagine when he is fit. Oh yeah. Like, imagine when he is fit. Like, that's that's a scary proposition for any opponent coming up against him and and Biel, because oh yeah, like like Biel. <sighs> can we talk about Biel? <laughs> we can. We can. 
Can we yeah, talk about yeah? Because I wrote an article last week. Don't do this very often because I don't have much time. But I took it upon myself last week to write an article on on Pep, and the title was Pep Biel, the next Zinkenagel. I don't know how many of you read it, but but basically, the point is, we've got a real gem of a player on our hands. This is a player that we forked out six million euros for during the summer. September third, he came in when our Europa League spot was um, determined, like when we had it for sure in the bag. It's a player that scored six goals in nine games at the beginning of this season with three assists. So something like 18 goals and 15 assists last season. And it's a player that when he moved from Zaragoza to Copenhagen, he struggled because he played out on the wings. His numbers, what he became known for, he made that when he moved to the 10, when he started playing false nine. He struggled when he played out on the wings. So it's no surprise. It should be no surprise. And who did we make the same mistakes with? Philip Zinkenagel. He's a player that his best seasons, he played out on the right at Bode Glimt in Norway. And as a free role player behind two strikers, at Nottingham Forest. And Nottingham Forest, he didn't play behind a lone striker. He played behind two strikers, a mobile striker like Brennan Johnson that used to go out wide on the right and link up with Jed Spence a lot, anyone who watched Forest last season. And then um, target man, uh, Surridge, up front. So when we brought Zinkanaga in, I, I, I was saying it all summer. What's he doing out on the left? What's he doing out on the left? Then people said, oh, he's a 10, he's a 10. And Corberan played him in a 10 position behind a lone man striker. Let's not forget, Zink scored two goals for us in four or five games that he played. And a lot, a lot of people weren't happy with him, but he scored two goals. And now he's gone to Liège and he's playing. He's playing well. He scored today against Anderlecht. Something like three goals in five games now for him with Liège. So can't make the same mistake with this player start playing him out of position because anyone that went on social media yesterday at half time and read the things that some people were saying about Pep Biel it was like he was higher on the shit list of some fans than Oleg Rabchuk yeah it and really some of those same fans by the way get upset at the fans that will bring up things and criticize Oleg Rabchuk some of those were the same people by the way It's it was crazy. It's crazy. I mean, BL is there were for those of you that listened to the deep dives that I did, there were two players that I was really excited about. Two players during the analysis that I was like, guys, we struck gold with these two players. One of them was Huang and Baum, and the other one was Pep BL. Pep BL is an amazing player. We we have we don't get we or we're not accustomed to getting players of that caliber, right? the Daniel Podenses of the world. Like, Pep Biel is that class of player. He is that talented. Now, mentality-wise, whatever, I, I, we can't see there what, what's going on. But potential, technical, ability-wise, he's in that caliber. Like, Huang Bong, that level, that caliber. 
And it's it's ridiculous that people that people will continue to make these these types of discussions about Pepiel, who has done it everywhere in certain contexts. But we play we play them out of position, and then we get upset when they don't perform. So I don't understand some of those fans. I really don't. I don't get it. And if if we squander a player that we just paid six million for, un- unacceptable. And you saw you saw the class that he has. That finish was unbelievable. That's but that's the stuff that he. Can I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far in a sense that like that's the kind of that's the kind of finish I expect from a player like him. So like, as soon as yeah. you saw the ball drop, you're just like, all right, there's only one thing that's happening now is that like he's going to curl it into the other. Yeah, you exactly. Know, it's, like, it's for him. It was completely normal. It's just like yeah, first time shot. It's spinning in front of me. That's anyone that's played football that that isn't a defender. The ball drops to you like that in the box on the edge on your good foot. What are you going to do? Like you're going to spin it into the other corner. It's exactly what he did. And it was beautiful. And and yeah. because it's been that kind of season, like it it made us overwhelmingly happy. It's like we it's an unbelievable finish, but it's like, nah, that's what this player does. Yep. That's what this player does. And, and if it were the only case. If oh, this sorry, were the sorry. only player, no, I mean, my, my thing would be uh, regarding the criticism of Pepiel. If this were like the only player that we had brought in that did that was doing well elsewhere and not doing well here, then maybe I would find an excuse. Oh, maybe he just isn't for Libyakos. But there's too many players that we've brought in that were doing things elsewhere. And over the course of the last couple of years, we'll say we bring in, they do nothing for us. For me, for me to believe that it's on the player, it's for me, it's it's a system thing, and we're not using him correctly, and that's why we haven't gotten maybe the best out of him. That's how I see it personally uh, for him, on a whole. So, so th- there are a couple of people, and it's been raised in the chat a few, I think a couple of times today, like whether or not we can play Biel and James in a. I think some people are alluding to like a three-four-two-one formation, something like what Atalanta yeah. you would, was doing last season. Uh, I don't think we can do that. Not you, now. Like, no, not now. Generally no. speaking, yes, but you need good wing backs. You need overlapping yeah. wing backs, and that's what Atalanta had. Atalanta had great overlapping wing backs. We don't. Oleg on one side is not an. He's not an offensive wing back. Actually, I almost forgot to bring this up, Costa. Um, now that I think about it, it's just something more sad than anything else. Um, this graphic about the attacking prowess of Libyakos on the left side, a third of that XG production on the left was from Kutris against Pasyanina. <laughs> just, to, just to point out that. So, no, we, we can't do that now only because we don't have, or at least we don't utilize all of the offensive wingbacks we have. I think in a normal scenario with a with a healthy Gonzalo Avila, on the right, we could make up for that. But you have to have the balance. You have to be able to do that on both sides. We can't have all of our attacks coming on the right or all of our attacks coming up the middle. It has to be balanced. We have to have people, on somebody on the left, somebody on the right, and in the middle that can generate those things. And right now, we can't do that consistently on the flanks for this to be something that is uh, – is a formation that we use standard. Yeah, guys, at this point, if you haven't hit the like button already, 
hit the like button please get more people involved in the channel hit the subscribe button if you're joining for the first time welcome we're gate seven international your number one english source for all things olympiacos bringing olympiacos fans together from all parts of the world we're listened and watched in over 90 different countries ari tells me so if you're joining 95 95 if you're joining from colombia buenos dias if you're joining from korea I don't know how to say anything in Korean. Kalispera. <laughs> we'll learn one day. We'll learn that one day. <laughs> yeah. Kalispera, anyone who's in Greece, wherever you are, guys, thanks for watching and subscribe. Keep up to date with all things Olympiakos. And let's get back to it. What else can we say about today? I mean, the game yesterday. Well, one thing, and again, this primarily has more to do with the play in the second half, but that was a game where Olympiacos as a team completed almost, or sorry, attempted almost 800 team passes. 800 as a team. You and the last time we saw our team have that volume of possession of or that volume of the ball and the ability to spread the ball around and play the ball, we haven't done that since Pedro Martin's first season, or sorry, beginning of the second season at Olympiacos. He did that a couple of times in Greece. That's the last time we did that. We haven't been able to do that since. So it's it's incredible. And here's a, this was the post-match stats graphic uh, that we had put up on socials for those that you didn't see it. Um, average possession, 67%. That's the highest we've had all season. We haven't done that. Um, uh, open play attacks. 51 again another high for the season we have not had this amount of the ball since so there's there's things being done here there's things being done with michelle at the very least that um that are there it's improvements right uh and if you checked our socials we also showed a few other things uh we showed so far all season not just where the attacks have been coming from, uh, some comparisons with Corberan and Michel about where our attacks are coming from, how often. And we saw that although maybe the volume of the attacks, maybe the, the number of, uh, we'll say, attacks in the final third, shots on goal, it's not as high, but the efficiency is there. We're creating better opportunities at the very least under Michel, and we're conceding less dangerous opportunities under Michel as well. These are games, uh, a game like Panetolikos, I don't care what form they're in in the season. A team like Panetolikos in a normal year for Olympiacos, this is a day at the office. We go in, we win this game, 2-0, 3-0, even away, even in Agrino, doesn't matter. We come home, that's it, on to the next. That's how it used to be. So it's nice to see that, okay, all right, first half was a kind of ugly, but the second half was a return to uh, more of what we were, more of what we're used to with Olympiacos, more of the, more of the quality that we're used to seeing. Uh, question here from Aguilos Cruz de la Fuente and Bowler. I believe Fuente was taken by the neck very early, and Bowler doesn't play because he's atomistis. What's your take on this? Um, my take on this is these are guys that were wanted by previous manager now de la fuente interestingly enough the few games that he played he had a very he did have opportunities the the guy's a little squirrely he did get some opportunities he just he's not clinical he can't 
he he wasn't really able to finish things and missing that goal. Uh, I forgot who it was against. Um, missing that wide open goal, that probably did it in for him. Volos, Volos, that was it. I mean, why right in front? And that wasn't the only one too. It was two. He had two golden opportunities that he should have scored. Um, De La Fuente has made opportunities for himself. He just wasn't able to finish them. Um, even if De La Fuente was a player, even in the scouting report, I didn't think he. I didn't see him as a player that could gel quickly. If he was going, it was going to take time. Unfortunately, we don't have time, really. Uh, as for Bowler, guys, I've been I've been calling Bowler Vladimir Weiss 2.0. Uh, I'm 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 serious. Like I I thought Bowler had a little bit higher IQ than Vladimir Weiss did when he was with us, but. Uh, dude, you you can't tell me that this guy can play Michel Ball. I mean, he holds the ball a little too long. He is a guy that can take players on, which is something we were looking for and we we needed, and we thought we wanted under under Corberon, but he hasn't been quite as as effective as we hoped. It is what it is. So I don't I don't know what else to say about them, but that's it. Maybe maybe they maybe they get an opportunity in the future, but. I, I don't see them I don't see them as players that are going to flourish under Michel personally. I'd agree with that. I just don't think we. It's not enough what they offer. They're players with talent, but I just don't think they're made for this. They're not made for this type of pressure. They maybe just don't get it. I mean, you look at them both. Their profiles. Yeah. De La Fuente is a player that. He just seems to have this kind of chip on his shoulder. And I don't mean that in the right way. Like he, there were some reports that, that we've, we've heard that he's the type of player that gets subbed off, goes to the changing room early, leaves the changing room before everyone's, you know, finished showering and so on and so forth. Doesn't really give you that kind of feeling that is a player that really cares. So I think what happened in the Volos game was an easy excuse. So, I mean, it's cost us, it's cost us three points uh, or two points because we, we drew that game in the we end, drew. didn't we? It's cost us those points and, you know, it could prove dear come the end of the season. It's still a long way to go. Um, and then Bowler, no doubt in the guy's ability. His dribbling ability is fantastic. It's one of those... Like you said, I think very accurately, Vladimir Weiss 2.0 loves a dribble. And then when he has to make a decision, his mind just kind of freezes or he has a brain fart. Um, and it feels like the kind of player that's, yeah, he signed for Forrest. Didn't, don't think he really wanted to come here. And do you know who else is in that situation that I was initially, you know, quite pleased at signing was Weijo Huang. No, you're not the only one. Me too. But just they're, they're players that have come in and not necessarily with a full heart. So I I personally have thought that a player like Josh Bowler has a place in the squad in the sense that he's a player that you can bring on and he has something unpredictable. We can run at people, no doubt. We don't have many players that can do that. But the one thing I do give Mitchell is that he said, nah. Like you're not you're not 100 in like you feel like you're doing us a favor being here go and train by yourself or yeah. you know i'm not going to play you 
got no time for that, especially where we are now, especially where we are now in the position we are in the league. Like, no time for those kinds of players. I'm sorry. If you're not 100% in, you're not in at all. You're out. For me, that's fair. Uh, look, I, I agree with you, man. I agree with you, man. Uh, comment here from uh, Manos G7. Valbuena is amazing against Banatolicos. Valbuena is amazing, period. You don't have to put Banatolicos in there. Valbuena is amazing against... Valbuena is amazing, period. Boom, done. Sentence over. Do you remember the assist he made while falling from an opponent's push? Yes, I do. I do. And that's the thing. Valbuena, 38 years old, this man is... This man one is the is one of the key producers of this team. Costa, I think we have a graphic for for Valbuena also, just to give everybody an idea in terms of uh, here it is. So this is a chart. Uh, now this hasn't been on socials yet. So you guys are seeing this. This is you're the first people to see this chart that we made, uh, and this is including the performance against Panatolikos. Matthew Valbuena is the the leader in expected assists for Elbiacos. Period per ninety minutes. That's it. I mean, this guy is producing anytime he comes on the field. And for those of you, an um, expected is expected assist. That metric is drawn by the pass that leads to a shot or something that contributes to XG. So if you make a pass to somebody and you and they get into an op- in a, a situation where they get a shot or an opportunity on goal, it generates XG. That person that played the pass to them generates an expected assist value. Valbuena's is the highest. He creates the most opportunities on this team. He creates the most shot opportunities, and he's also one of the leaders when it comes to creating big game opportunities, uh, playing balls behind the defensive line that lead to dangerous situations. And that's at 38 years old. And he's in good company too. Right after him, James Rodriguez. Uh, Then Gary Rodriguez. Gary Rodriguez is probably the only real winger that we have when he's healthy and when he's actually able to play. And then behind them is Yusuf El Arabi, interestingly enough. So it cannot be understated how important Valbuena is to this team. And there's uh, there were comments about Valbuena earlier too. People saying that he um, he's very he was interesting on the one side. He needs to be playing more often. Um, oh, here it is from Emzid. Valbuena deserves to begin more often. His ratio minutes played efficiency is amazing. Yeah, it is. He's one of the most important players on this team, period. At 38 years old, I don't know. I don't want to say like it's sad that we rely on a 38-year-old for so much creativity. He's just He's just a great player. He's a class player. I wish we had more players that could take up, that could take that up and that we could rely on to, to give as much as Valbuena does. Am I saying that correctly, Costa? I, I don't know if I'm getting that that feeling across. <laughs> when it comes to Valbuena, honestly, if 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 all players showed the same passion, determination, and hunger that he showed every single game, I don't think we'd be in the position we are now. No, it's a, it's, it's a blessing to have him on our team and. Um, I want to pick up on this comment from Winechester. <laughs> says Samas, and I'm going to link this back to Valbuena and the situation that we have further up the field. Uh, Andrea says Samaseko needs to be in the core of 14 to 15 players. He can improve us defensively. Now, I think 
given the fact that we don't have any wingers. Let's just say it. Like, we don't have any wingers. I can see, in my eyes, I can see a, a, a three, an attacking three, develop behind a, a lone striker with James Rodriguez, Pep Biel being two of the three. And then, in all honesty, I don't see why Matteo Valbuena shouldn't be starting on the left-hand side. And I think that if you stick a Doran Leidner at left-back, a player like that that can bomb up and down the field yeah, and give us energy, width and attacking prowess, yeah, might be some issues defensively. But but wait, if you're going to play those three, like uh, Valbuena, James, Pep, or Fortunis, James, Pep, if you're going to play those three, you need to play two defensive midfielders, two holding defensive midfielders. We know that Juan can't play two games a week. So you've got Samaseku and you've got Mvila. I would really like to see that one day. Samaseku, Mvila, but holding players and a front three in front of them like that, like Valpoena, Rodriguez, Pep Biel. I think that would be really interesting to see how that would work. And don't get me wrong, like, you know, Juan can serve that purpose too, like in games where we're playing against teams that are parking the bus. Like, yeah. that's what I think we need to do. So I agree. I think I think Samaseku does have a, like, absolutely has a place on this team. What are we saying? Like, the guy's valued at 16 million euros. I think he's the most highly valued player in the Greek league. And yet we've only seen him play for 15, 20 minutes. And I think, I think he came injured... Uh, then he went away to the World Cup while Mitchell was coming in and you know the coach hadn't had a chance to see him. There's all sorts of excuses. Then he got injured again. Yeah. Then he wasn't injured and he got on the plane because Vasalko got injured. <laughs> Who knows? But, Who knows? But but yeah, I think absolutely. Like this guy, this guy had definitely has a definitely has a role to play. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And then having two real holding midfielders, I think then we can afford that will say luxury of another attacking fullback instead of an Oleg. Even 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 without the two defensive midfielders, I still think that we we need to see Doran Ledner. I'm just going to show this one more time because without without Doran Ledner playing, here it is. Our left side is the side that receives the most threat. This is what gives up the most opportunities against us, okay? So, it's already it's already our our weak side when you think of it that way. What do we what do we have to lose to play him against Panetolikos or Lamia? I'm sorry that it, to me in my it, my opinion that is a bullshit argument that we're concerned about Doran Ledner's defensive capabilities. Where's Oleg's defensive capabilities gotten us so far? Okay, maybe things are tighter under Michel. I I will I would accept that. Things have gotten a little bit tighter under Michel, but in the grand scheme of things, that left side is our problem. It's still our problem, both offensive and defensive. So I, to me, there's no, it's zero excuse why a guy like Doran Ledner shouldn't be playing. It's zero. There's zero excuse. He needs to play. He should be playing in these games like Panetolikos in these games against Lamia, because 
Oleg has played a lot. Look, you can be, and I said this, I said this on socials, I said it on Twitter. There's no mutual exclusivity. And for those that English isn't your first language, there's you can be two things at once. You can be bionic, which Oleg Rebchuk is. He's bionic. 93 games in less than two years. Crazy. It's we have to give that to him. But you can be bionic and be and be not effective. You can be both. You can be bionic and not be playing well, or at least playing to where where we we need. We that that's that those two things coexist. They can be the same in the same area. You're not only bionic and not shitty. You you're both. You can be both. And that's the problem here. Maybe he's playing too many games. Maybe we need to rest Oleg so that he has the energy to want to get forward or the will to want to get forward. Maybe that's the case. Who knows? Either way, there's no excuse why Doran Ledner should not be playing. There is zero excuse for me. That's how I see this whole thing. We have nothing to lose. It's the left side's already our weakest side. So you might as well play a guy that can that can that can go forward, that has the offensive characteristics that we're looking for. Marce- guys, Marce- are you kidding me with Marcella right now? That guy needs to lose probably another five, six kilos. Gutris, as much as I want to see him back, I think it's pretty clear that he's not rated by Michel. So uh this comment from Cosadino Steph, Oleg side cost us so many points against Volos, Aris, Bauk. Almost at Tripoli with a disallowed goal and not away. You're preaching to the choir, Costadina, buddy. Uh, the data is very clear. That left side is is our weakest side offensively and defensively. There is literally, literally no reason we can't see. No reason we can't see this young Israeli. Look, I, I find it funny, this whole narrative that's being built as an excuse for why Doran Ledner isn't playing, like, oh, the manager's not sure about his defensive capabilities and so on and so forth. For reasons that you stated already, Ari, like, okay, look at Oleg and look at how much, how reliable he's been this season defensively. And I don't need to say it again. Yeah, the guy's been running to the ground. It's abnormal to play as many games as he has in in, in a year and a half with us um but but i'll say i'll say one other thing a couple of other things doran ledner hadn't hasn't played competitive football at club level for almost three months since he got and yet and yet he was picked to play for the israeli national team he was picked to play for the israeli national team in a game against albania a team that has Serie A, La Liga, and Premier League level players playing in the attacking half. And I think they won 1 0, didn't they? Against Albania. And Albania didn't get close. So 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 what are we saying? We're saying that Ledner can face La Liga, Serie A, and Premier League level attackers but he can't play a game against Panitolikos. That's what we're being told. That's what we're being told. It's not a question. I'm saying that's what we're being told. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, uh, and I'm also... We're also hearing some things about, like, you know, Oleg's playing because they want to sell him and because Deco 
uh, is buddies with what, whoever. Leidner's coming from CAA agency. Anyone who knows who I'm talking about, CAA uh, have the rights of Madi Kamara, among others, on our squad. They have the rights of some Nottingham Forest players. They have the rights to some big players. Uh, go and transfer Mark right now, and you can have a look at CAA. Uh, or just go to go to Madi Kamara, go to Ledner and look at his agents and the players that they have on their books. Do you think that our management wants to have bad ties with them by picking Deco over CAA? Deco's got a much smaller shop. Doesn't yeah. have as many players on his books. It's like, okay, I, I think I think I think people are so frustrated like with the situation at left back that they're really just looking for anything. Finding but, conspiracy where it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that, guys. Like the yeah. whole agency conspiracy thing with uh, with Oleg and 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 Ledner. There's also uh, I've seen, I did see this before. I saw this on Twitter. Uh, James Hallett, is it true that if Ledner plays a certain amount of games, his previous team will get an extra amount of money? I saw that also. We will never know if that's actually the case or not, but um, usually I, it would. It's unusual, at least for me, to see a team get bonuses based on just games played. It's usually when it comes to things like the Champions League or Europe, like Europe, European competitions. Uh, usually, the bonuses for teams come with appearances like that, or with related to buyouts. Now, I'm not saying it couldn't be the case, but that would be unusual for me, at least, to see something like that. Yeah. Guys, as we're coming close to an hour, if you haven't done so already, go and vote in the poll on YouTube. Your man of the match against Banatolikos, James Biel in Bomhuang. Maybe Doi, if you haven't voted already, we're going to do our match rating and coaches grade very soon. So go ahead and vote there. And also, guys, if you haven't hit that like button, it doesn't cost you anything. It takes you half a second. Just click that like button. It helps to spread the episode out to more people. And don't forget to subscribe. Hit the bell. Get notified every time there's a new episode out. Match preview, post-match, whatever it is, be the first to know about it. Hit the subscribe button. And oh. what else we got? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you had more after that. I was yeah, playing. no, that's uh, that's it. We can go and check out some some more comments here. Alec was the great. Kitos uh, is the same. He played for Omonia yeah. against Man United and doing very well. Yeah, Omonia is a bit of um, a bit of a strange one at the moment. They sacked they sacked Neil Lennon a few days ago. They lost three 0 to Paphos. The other day, uh, Lennon was sacked before that, and Kitos Kitos has been coming on as a sub in the in the Cypriot League. He started against Sociedad away. He started against Manchester United away. So it's good he's getting some game time. Yeah, it's good. Um, and, and yeah, the whole point is he comes back. He comes back ready. Comes back ready to fight for a first team place. Yeah, so that Let's we can see. hear about Project Nutsimikas again. <laughs> and maybe he'll actually play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Andrea Pirlo, wine tester. Philip the Great scored again in Belgium also. Good vibes. 
Uh, for those of you that maybe aren't sure what he's referring to, he's referring to Philip Zinkernagel, who's I mentioned that. ever since he left. He's doing fantastic. Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah, he got a goal today. He got the third one. Liege beat Anderlecht 3 1. Um, Adria, you also asked a question about Fortunis. Um, we brought him I, up I too. Said, yeah, I, I said I said a little bit earlier. For me, he looked he looked the fittest, but in the best shape I've ever seen him. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard, okay, it's it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge him on a 10, 12 minute cameo that he had. Exactly. Um, but 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 really, like his body looked in really good shape. Like actual, he looked a bit more muscular than usual. Otherwise, you know, he's, he's always been the skinny kid. Like skinny kid on the ball, Makari, Makari, like, like. A it's just good for... to see him. It's good yeah. to see him again. That's it for for me. Well, that's it. I wanted to see him on the field again, and I hope, I hope, may, you know, maybe this means we see more of him in the future because I still believe he can be a changer, a game changer for us. Not everybody agrees with me, but first step, I'm happy to see him. That's it. I'll take the positive where I can. Should we have a look at the league table? Cool. Let's let's let, let, let's visualize this. Let's have a look now. So this is this is the way things stand in the league right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh Lagos, <laughs> top of the league, 27 points. Volos in second with 20. Ayak have a game in hand. And they play tomorrow against against Lamia, I think. Um, so if Correct. they win, they, they go back to second. And Olibiagos are currently in fourth. Balk dropping points today against uh, who was it? They were losing 2 0 today Asteras. to Asteras. They were yep. losing 2 0 to Asteras and they managed to manage to get a draw in the end. So they're back down to fifth. Olibiagos in fourth with 17 points, 14 goals for 14, uh, sorry, seven goals against. That's a goal difference of plus seven. Panathinaikos have 15 goals for better better goals for than we do, and they have the best defense in the league, having conceded only only two goals. Ari. I mean, that's it goes back to like one of the first comments I think we made during this episode is the importance of defense. Yep. And you ask an Olympiagos fan, what's your center back pairing? It's like you got no idea. Like you ask a hundred people, you ask a hundred Olympiagos fans, what's Olympiagos' what's defensive pairing? You get 75, 80 different responses. You ask a hundred Panathinaikos fans who their center back pairing is, all hundred say the same. Like Schengefeld and uh, the Icelandic guy, what's his name, that they have. It's, it's always oh. the same. Yep, exactly. I mean, and it's not, it's not the, I will say this, cause I brought this up in the past and I still think, especially now with the injury, um, the injury to, uh, Aitor, I think, I think that, uh, I had been saying in the past, I don't think Panathinaikos' production is sustainable, um, beyond the penalties, the, the, the primary production was coming from Aitor Sporar, of course, I think got the winner for them today. Um, uh, I still, I still think in my opinion, that Ike is the more dangerous team of the two teams, although even though they have don't have the results to back that up. But Panathinaikos, I'm still 
I'm I'm sure of it. They will be coming back to Earth. Maybe it won't be next week. Maybe it won't be the the following week. Who knows? But the if you if looking at the data, like our we have more goal production, non-penalty, just open play goal production than Bonatinakos does. We just can't finish. That's the problem. And when it comes to uh, uh, conceding XG against or like opportunities against, we're very similar to Bonatinakos. They don't edge us out by much in that respect. Defensively, they are very strong. They are, uh, they are a great team in that respect. But where where they are succeeding, and what's the impetus for their success is the fact that they're being they're you know one the penalties that they've gotten, but two they're also very efficient with the chances they've gotten. They've outperformed their xG tremendously, outperformed it, and that is not something that we see long term is very sustainable. So I still think that in the long run. The, the the league t- is is not necessarily over. It's as if we can continue to do things. If we find our our consistency, we we get them in the derby. We can turn this whole thing around. So that's how I see this league table. Ike for me is still the more dangerous team in the long run. Yeah, I think what I have to say is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think that. As Ari's as Ari's explains, looking at the data, they've by far outperformed their expected goals. And it really just I'm sorry, like there there is an element of like luck here for sure, and you need luck. Um you need things to you know swing in your favor. And they've been getting that. They've been getting calls that, in some cases, we haven't. And it is it is remarkable for them, like nine wins in nine. is is remarkable. It, it's abnormal. It's not normal. But uh, yeah, it's it's a blow to them to to lose Aitor. Um, today he came on as a sub. Actually, he didn't start the game. Um. He came on, and there are reports now that he could have a either a partial rupture to his ACL or a full rupture. Whatever it is, like I, I, I wish him well. Like g- genuinely, like I, I never like to hear. I never like to hear stories like that. Um, footballers getting injured. This is their profession. This is how they make money, yeah. and um, you know, having played football. At a low level, myself, you too, Ari. Like you've hurt your knee. Like you know what it's like. Twice, I've had that surgery twice. Yeah, it's, it's you, you don't you, you don't wish that on anyone, guys. So okay, okay. Now the the facts. The fact is that we play uh, we play Panathinaikos in three three games. So I think we play. Oh, you're Freiburg. You're including the Freiburg. So we play Freiburg next on Thursday. Then after Freiburg, we play Lamia at home. Then we play Nantes away. Then we play Panathinaikos. Then we play Levadiakos. Then we play Aek. That game against Panathinaikos away can change everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every... I don't mean to 
I don't mean to use these words, but like every game is a final for us. Yeah, really, it really is. Like uh, who, if the game against Lamia, the game against Panathinaikos. That's 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 going to be a shit hot game against Panathinaikos yeah. in in Del Forte. Yeah. If yeah. they like, we really need to. It needs to be one of those like nil nil kind of goal last minute. Like we nick it to make it hurt like that much more because like the, the team that wins that game has a massive psychological boost. Like if we win, it should set us up to continue. If they, yeah, no, a massive, absolutely massive game. I can't make, you know, people are asking for predictions like, nah, I can't, can't predict what's going to happen in a derby. The only thing that you can ask for in a derby is that the players go out and that they're ready to they're ready for war. They're ready for war. They're ready to get in get get stuck in. No bullshit. Like in that game. That's that's all I can ask for. That yeah. the players that are out on the field, they're ready for war when they play Panathinaikos in a couple of weeks in Del Foros. And you can be damn sure that, that they're gonna be up for it. And yeah. what what worries me a little bit is that the last few games that we played them last season, I can't remember beating them. Did we beat them last season? I don't no, think we did. I don't think we did. We didn't beat them. In yeah. any of our four meetings? No. Yeah. No. We'll see what happens, man. But it, they're always tough. I, I, you know. If we can nick any kind of result, I think it's it's positive for us at this point. A, a win, obviously, is huge. I mean, first, we're looking at La Mia. We need to get the points there. I got to take care of business. Or for, actually, sorry. First things first, Freiburg. Look at Freiburg. Yeah. Do what we can do there. I'm not expecting anything. German team away. Even if they're in bad form, it's still tough for us. We saw what happened, you know, with a, what was supposed to be a poor Frankfurt team. And they did a number on us last season. So this is going to be tough, but that's our next focus. And then all on La Mia. Then after that, we'll focus on Panathinaikos. But we need to just pick up the wins where we can get, pick up the minimum where we can where we can get it. That's how I'm looking at it for now. I got to look at it one game at a time with this team. But uh, with that being said, we're over an hour now. Do we do this? Man of the match coaches grade. Wrap everything up. Let's do it. You want to go first? <laughs> sure. Uh, my man of the match is uh, I, I'm going to go with James, James Rodriguez. Uh, Pep Biel, of course, had the had the the first goal for us. Um, didn't think he had a great first half, but of course, he had a, a very solid second half. Easily contender for man of the match. But for me, James was involved in a lot of things. He spread the ball around. He had over 100 touches against Panatolikos, guys. I mean, with and I I think he was like almost 90% pass accuracy, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't remember the stat card that um, I put up, but the guy yeah, I thought was phenomenal. And um, I know that he didn't have the assist for the first goal, but he had some involvement in the first goal. Uh, when I had to watch the game on replay, but the the scoring app I use had Hamas as the assister for the first goal. It still has it there. It hasn't changed it, <laughs> but... Still, the guy was the the guy's incredible. He's class. I'm giving him my man of the match. His creativity is is undeniable. And if we're looking at players that put us in the best positions to win, it is him and BL. So I think it's a toss up between the two. 
dealer's choice. You can pick who you want. But for me, I'm going to go with Hamas. Coach's grade. Um, it might have been ugly to start, but we saw when the guys were motivated and the confidence was high that things things can happen. So whatever he said to them at halftime, I like the changes also for the most part. I'm going to go with a, a B plus. We won the game. The changes work. Maybe if it didn't start off so well, I got a B plus. Actually, you know what? I'll say, I guess you can also say technically it was two worldies that won us the game maybe. So maybe it was, nah, no, I'm going to stick with B plus. I'm not going to overthink this. B plus. <laughs> That's it. All right. Well, for me, man of the match, I'm um, sorry. It's pet bias for me. There's just something about this guy that I really like. Um, and he, and it, yeah, he did unlock the game with that goal. Um, I think a lot of people were harsh on him in the first half. Very. And some people were saying that he looked, uh, he looked like he wasn't up for it. Or I heard all sorts of things, read all sorts of things in the first half. Uh, throughout the entire game, I saw a player that tried to play with intensity. And yes, he misses a horrible situation in the in the first half. At the end of the first half, that ball that comes across from the left, and you know, I think he miss kicks it or kicks it across goal instead of tapping it in. Yeah, yeah, and you can feel the frustration at halftime. But then he comes out in the second, and he he produces what he produces, and I think it's a class finish. And it's hard. I think, like you said, Ari, you can take your pick like between Biel and and James Rodriguez. If you look at the poll, actually. Uh, 52% of voted James, 36% have voted Biel, 9% have voted Huang, and a few people voted for Doi, probably Doi's boys coming into the chat, or Doi himself <laughs> if he's watching. <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to Huang too, man. Like, I mean, the guy's everywhere. The guy's everywhere. I think, I think um, anyone who read our match ratings that we put out on our socials, so Marshall did the player ratings this time, he said... Uh, he gave uh, he gave Hammers NBL eights. They both got eights, and Juan got a seven. And mm. in the description, he wrote that Juan is a player is the type of player that wears Mizuno shoes. Yeah. He really is. He really <laughs> is like. And it was his pass, I think, that that went that put Oleg through. When he it got was? pulled back, you know when Oli got pulled back for the penalty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it. I think it was a Huang pass that broke between the lines. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I want to say something just in closing. I, I, I want, I want Envila and Huang to play on Thursday. I want them to get a run of games. I want them to play on Thursday, and I want them to play against Lamia. Like, maybe like do some rotation against Lamia, or if we do play, if we do rotate against Freiburg, don't don't change it up too much. Like we really need like Envila and Huang. They haven't figured it out yet for me. I don't know about you, Ari. Like for me, they haven't figured it out because Envila oh, there's uh, under, more under Corberan. He was like dropping in as a as a fifth as a third centre back, and you know playing the Busquets role. If you look at them now on the field, they're playing next to each other, and they haven't quite figured it out. But I digress. Like that's something we can talk about if we do a if we do a pre preview um, for yeah. for Freiburg. Um, coach grade, I'm the same as you, mate. B B B plus B plus for me for for Mitchell and 
just please coach if you're watching don't mix it up too much just yeah. start bedding down play Oleg against Freiburg and then play Doran Ledler against Lamia so you can have Oleg fresh so so that when he plays Nant he doesn't have nightmares against Blas again like he did in the first game um yeah I think that's a perfect place for me to stop there you go one quick stat for you for Huang and Baum over 150 touches against Panatolikos. I don't think I've ever seen a player with that many touches since since I've been able to ha since I've had access to data for Libyakos. I have not seen that yet. Um, I would have to go through to confirm that, but over 150 touches. Even Jan and Vila has never gone that high. Just absurd. Something I wanted to share with you guys. Everywhere. Yeah, it's, the guy. The guy is just uh, he's everywhere. Well, again, guys, thank you so much for joining us, everyone, especially for those of you that made it this far. Uh, we are Gate 7 International by the fans, for the fans. This is the area where the voice the voice of the fans can come, where you guys can come. Tell us everything you think. Become a part of the show in doing so. And don't forget, for those of you that are right there, it costs you nothing. Like and subscribe. Hit the bell if you want to be notified anytime we go live. Follow us on our socials. Engage with us on our socials. Uh, we love talking to you guys. Uh, I love... Uh, everybody that shares data with me, there's a lot of you guys now that see things and you share stuff with me. We love it. Keep doing it. Keep getting the message out there. Keep helping us grow this community. So until next time, this is Gate 7 International by the fans for the fans. And we'll see you on Thursday.